This is Couch and Coffee Table. For this episode, we thought we'd kick off our holiday season with some music and comedy. Our first one up is Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis when they were a comedy duo and they had their own radio show. So, here's the Martin and Lewis show from December 21st, 1951. Georgia, we present the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. Brought to you by Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor, and Beeman's Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. By Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Get something new. Something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield's mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our master of ceremonies. Hi, folks. This is Dean Martin. <laughs> Tonight, our jumping-off point is Fort Benning, Georgia, home of the Fighting Infantry. While we're here, Jerry's being examined by the Army doctors. You see, he's been losing a lot of weight lately. In fact, yesterday, Jerry stepped on one of those penny scales, and darn it, he didn't get two cents change. Well, <laughs> anyway, before the bat comes here, let's observe the Yule season with a little jingle bell. Dashing through the snow one horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing Slaying song tonight Jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. to bring to you... I got bells that jingle, jingle, jingle as we go right... Jerry, what are you doing here? Who let you off the leash? <laughs> Who let me off the leash? Listen here, Dean Martin, I know your game. You want these soldiers here to think like I'm an animal. <laughs> you want these soldiers here to think like I'm an animal? You too? <laughs> Look, Jerry, uh, who let you off the leash? But, Dean, the whole neck was chased. <laughs> well, since you're here, what do we do? What's the problem? We'll work together like always to get a boat. To get a boat? We'll work always to get a boat? Yeah. That's as bad as up the street, the soldiers. They're coming down. <laughs> Dean, you're speaking harsh to me again. I don't want to be harsh with you, Jerry, but uh, you forced me. I forced you? I suppose I come out and say, D. Martin, don't you dare be nice to Jerry Lewis. I want you to scream and yell and treat Jerry Lewis like a fool. Sure, it's all my idea. I forced you to be nasty, mean, and violent. I forced you. Ho, ho, that's rich. <laughs> Jerry, 
Sometimes I think you're an idiot. Yeah, well, I may not be so smart, but I ain't very intelligent either. <laughs> Jerry, I think it's a shame to argue here. Don't you know where you are? This is Fort Benning, the home of the fighting infantry. Look, Roderick. <laughs> Don't tell me about the infantry. I know what's all about it. Where, uh... <laughs> were you ever in the infantry? Was I ever in the infantry? <laughs> <laughs> Call up Mike Eisenhower Call up Doug MacArthur Check with Johnny Church <laughs> Well, now, come on uh, Let's break up this ball It's about time we meet our first guest Oh, that's a good idea Who's it gonna be? <laughs> well, I thought as long as we're doing the show From Fort Benning tonight We'd have a talk with one of the officers Oh, excuse me, Mr. Martin. We just got a note that the young officer you were supposed to interview has been named Officer of the Day, and he won't be with us tonight. Oh, boy, that's good. Hey, Dean, how about letting me be the young officer? I eat lots of eggs. <laughs> well, what have eggs got to do with it? What have eggs got to do with it? Well, I always heard there was some tie-up between officers and chickens. <laughs> You can be the officer. Folks, it now becomes my pleasure to introduce one of our leading junior officers, a man who came up the hard way and now holds the noble rank of second lieutenant. <laughs> a three-time winner of the Good Conduct Medal. <laughs> and here he is, Lieutenant Lyman Teden Muldoon. Lieutenant Muldoon, it's a pleasure to shake your hand. Uh, what's the hair say, buddy? Uh, this is a military reservation. Now, let me see your salute. But I don't have to salute. I'm a civilian. That's the trouble with you, civilians. No military courtesy. <laughs> Tell me, Lieutenant, uh, how long have you been in, uh, in the service? Uh, 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 uh. Yes? <laughs> I, I've been in the Army since I was three years old. <laughs> Only three years old? I didn't know they took them so young. I lied about my age. <laughs> Tell me, Lyman, as an old army man, you must have some uh, pretty definite opinions about the army. Uh, what do you think of the army? Oh, it's fine. I think every country should have an army. <laughs> Why? Well, it's good for the morale of the soldiers. <laughs> well, uh, one more question. What branch of the service are you in, Lieutenant? I'm in the paratroopers. <laughs> the paratroopers. No, droopers. We had a hike this morning. Oh. You, uh, you guys sure get a lot of exercise. Tell me, uh, how do you find calisthenics? I don't find calisthenics, buddy. They find me. Uh, the paratroopers sure sounds like a real exciting outfit. And, uh, by the way, I understand you made a record jump last week. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right? <laughs> I said the world's record. I jumped from 600 feet. Oh, now, Lieutenant, a jump from 600 feet can't be a new world's record. Without a parachute? <laughs> well, you know, that sure sounds like a rugged life. Were you always in the paratroopers? Not always. First, I try to enjoy the wax. <laughs> but the wax is a girl's outfit. Look, buddy, you join what you want to join, and I'll, I'll join, join what I want to join. <laughs> Uh, Lieutenant Muldoon, I noticed a lot of interesting decorations on your chest. Have you seen much action? I've I seen much action. I kid, last night the crap game did break up until... No, no, no. <laughs> That's not the kind of action I mean. Just one more question before you go. How does it feel to be an officer? Do you enjoy uh, uh, eating in the officer's mess? You mean the officer's dining room? Oh, well, then what's the mess? That's for the enlisted men. Oh. As Lieutenant Lyman T. Muldoon Lewis gets back into his civvies again, let's give our attention to our wonderful announcer. Thanks, Dean. And now here's something of interest to everybody. Chicklet. Chicklet. Taste the difference when you chew. Flavor on the outside, inside, too. Chicklet. 
Chicklet. Time the difference by the clock. Flavor lingers. Tick, tick, tock. Chicklet. Chicklet. Count the difference. Count them, cousin. Every box, an even dozen. Chicklet. 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 Get the big nickel's worth. You can taste the difference, time the difference, count the difference. And whether you chew gum to keep your mouth fresh and clean, or just for the plain fun of chewing it, you'll be better off on every count with Chicklets. They're flavored on the outside, flavored on the inside. With Chicklets, you don't chew the flavor out, you chew the flavor in. That's why the goodness lingers on and on. They're candy-coated. Flavor-coated. Mmm, pleasure-coated. And more fun for your money. So get the big nickel's worth. Chicklet, chicklet, chicklet. Well, every so often, a song comes along that captures the hearts and the minds of the American public. In my memory, no song has captured our people so completely as the tune we all turn to each Yuletide, Irving Berlin's Immortal White Christmas. When it comes to girl singers, there's one little lady who keeps crowding right to the head of my list. In fact, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've played her wonderful recordings of Green Eyes and Tangerine. I guess you know that I'm about to introduce the lovely and talented Miss Helen O'Connell. Thank you, Dean. Well, hiya, Helen. It's certainly a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, you certainly make me feel welcome. I hope your partner feels the same way. Who, the little monster? <laughs> why, why, he's just crazy about you, Helen. Hey, Dean, you know... <coughs> hey, who's she? Ah, <laughs> oh, Jer. This is Helen O'Connell, the famous singer. Oh, yeah. Hey, I remember you. Didn't you used to sing with Phoebe Dorsey? <laughs> Don't you mean Jimmy Dorsey? Gosh, I didn't know she had a brother. <laughs> Jerry, will you excuse us? What for? Did you do something wrong? <laughs> now, you don't seem to understand. Helen and I are going to do a little duet. Oh, that sounds ginger, peachy, cardinal, and sterling. <laughs> I'll 
just sit over here in the corner and sulk. Bye. All right. <laughs> you ready, Helen? Ready, Dean. How do you like eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss. Well, no fry. I'm satisfied as long as I get my kiss. How do you like your toast in the morning? I like mine with a hug. Dark or light, the world's all right as long as I get my hug. I've got to have my love in the end. For the rest of my day is positively mayhem. I'm a regular monster. How do you like your eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss. Up or down, I'll never frown. Eggs can be almost bliss just as long as I get my kiss. maybe 90% of your shopping problems. He's your neighborhood Chesterfield dealer. Drop in on him. And when you do, the first thing you'll notice will be his beautiful display of Chesterfield Christmas card cartons. Yes, sir, folks. There's a gift to make a Merry Christmas for every smoker you know. The carton is your greeting card and inside is your present. Smile to Chesterfield. So this Christmas, when you send holiday greetings, send the season's best. Bright Christmas card cartons of Chesterfield. See your dealer tonight and sound off for Chesterfield. Why, the Christmas card was something new. Your Christmas gift, your greeting new. A pleasure for every smoker's taste. With mildness plus no aftertaste. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Christmas card, card of mildness. Chesterfield. That's right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we all hear many complaints about babysitters. You can't find them when you need them. They charge too much. But there are two sides to every story. To prove our point, let's look in on babysitter Helen O'Connell. Helen has brought her boyfriend to keep her company, and sleeping quietly in the next room is a sweet, lovable, adorable little eight-year-old boy. Ah, uh, ain't it wonderful, baby? Just me and you, alone for three hours. Don't forget there's a baby sleeping. We mustn't talk too loud. 
my mother. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm your babysitter. Yeah, then what you sitting with him for? Now, don't get excited, Sonny. We've been just sitting here talking. Well, you better wipe the conversation off your face, buddy. Now, you listen to me, Sonny. And don't call me Sonny. My name's Herbie. <laughs> Come on, Herbie. Let's be friends. Okay, here, you can hold my pet lizard. <laughs> I don't want to hold your pet lizard. Oh, it's all right. He's housebroken. <laughs> Come on, Lee. You know how to handle kids. Let me see you get him back to bed. Okay, watch this. Come here, Havy. Come sit near Uncle Dean. You're gonna hit me. <laughs> now, look, Junior, I don't want any of your lip. Yeah, well, I wouldn't neck with you either. <laughs> I don't need you, Buster. I got my girl. Who cares? I hate girls anyway. You'll change your mind. Someday when you grow up, you'll fall in love with a girl and get married. Oh, I may get married, but not to a girl. <laughs> Everybody marries girls. My mother didn't. <laughs> Besides, I remember what happened to Herman. He ended up with a real dog. Well, who's Herman? My cocker spaniel. Oh. <laughs> I made it up. Boy, they don't come any dopier than this kid. Listen, mister, I'm not as dumb as I look. My father told me all about the boys and the bees. What did you get out of it? The hive. <laughs> ah, come on, baby. Let's ignore this egghead. How about a kiss? He's my sitter. He's supposed to kiss me. If I kiss you goodnight, will, will you go right to bed? Yep. How much does my mother pay you? Sixty-five cents an hour. <laughs> <laughs> How is that? From now on, you're getting seventy-five. <laughs> Helen, will you forget about this ugly brat? Listen, Herbie, how would you like us to sing you to sleep? How about Mary Had a Little Lamb or Rockabye Baby? Well, do you know, uh... Frankie and Johnny were sweethearts, say! Boy, I don't you good... Hey, Herbie! Well, 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 Herbie! There's only one thing to do. Well, what's that? Let's sing him a lullaby. Let's put out the lights and he will sleep. Hush a bye, dear. Don't you cry, dear. Close your eyes, my sleepy head. I don't want to go to bed. What to do about it? Let's put out his lights and make him sleep. I want my Thank you, folks. Now let's turn up the lights again as our announcer takes center stage. Thank you, Dean. Ladies and gentlemen, if you suffer from pains of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia, you should discover what many thousands have known for years, that Anison brings incredibly fast, effective relief. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Probably at some time, you've received an envelope containing Anison tablets from your physician or dentist. Thousands of people have been introduced to Anison this way. Try Anison yourself the next time you suffer from the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia. You'll be delighted at how quickly relief can come. Anison is spelled A-N-A-C-I-N. Your druggist has Anison in handy boxes of 12 and 30 tablets and economical family-sized bottles of 50 and 100 for your medicine cabinet. Ask for Anison today. Hey, 
wasn't until my senior year in high school that I first felt the tender sting of Cupid's arrow. I guess it happened kind of fast because the local football game was our first and only date. But somehow, the first love is always pretty easy to remember, especially when you have songs like this to remind you. Richard? The smile you gave me The way you looked when We met It's easy to remember But so hard to forget I hear you whisper I'll always love you I know it's over And yet It's easy to remember But so hard to forget So I must dream To have your hand Press me, fingers press me tight. I'd rather dream than have that lonely feeling stealing through the night. Each little moment is clear before me. And though it brings me regret, it's easy to remember, and so hard to forget. So I must dream to have your hand caress me, fingers. Press me tight I'd rather dream Than have that lonely feeling Stealing through the night Each little moment Is clear before me And though it brings me It's easy to remember And so hard to say you like my song. You don't have to say it. So you boys arguing again. Why don't you just kiss and make up? All righty. Won't you join us? <laughs> I'm sorry, boys, but I have to run along. Helen, we sure enjoyed having you with us tonight. Yeah, Helen. Well, you've been a swell guest. Well, thank you, fellas. Good night. Well, so long. Good night, Helen. Helen. Until next week. This is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis reminding you that we appear on radio through the courtesy of Hal Wallace Productions, producers of our soon-to-be-released pictures, Sailor Beware. And Jerry and I want to thank the men here at Fort Benning for putting up with our nonsense. Wait a minute, Dean. There's one more thing. What's that? This is going to be our last chance to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. That's right, Jerry. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas everybody. everybody. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Fort Benning, Georgia, you have just heard transcribed the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. Written by Ed Simmons and Norman Lear. Produced and directed by Dick Mack, with music under the direction of Dick Stabile. Brought to you by Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor, 
and Beeman's Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. By Chesterfield. Downed off for Chesterfield. Get something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. Hear Duffy's Tavern with Archie on NBC. For our second feature, we have a Bing Crosby Christmas show. In this episode, Bing sings and tells the story of the small one. So here is the Philco Radio Time presenting the Bing Crosby show for December 24th, 1946, here on Couch and Coffee Table. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. Carpenter welcoming you to Philco Radio Time, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter, his chorus and orchestra, the Charioteers, Skitch Henderson, and starring Bing Crosby. As is Bing's custom at Christmas time, he opens the program with Adesti Fidelis, and as usual, he will sing it first in Latin. And then with the studio audience joining him, singing it in English. Yes, Ken, I, I think it would be very fitting if our guests here would join in a chorus. Come all ye faithful. Bing, I think it'd be nice if the home folks, the folks listening in all over the world, would join in too. Oh, it would indeed. Gather round, folks, wherever you may be, and help us sing this eternal hymn. Adeste Fidelis Lady Triumphantes they need a, they need a in Bethlehem. Not on the Thank you very much. Skitch Henderson has jetted in for the holidays, and he now joins me in Mel Torme and Bob Wells' musical Christmas card, The Christmas Song. Art ready, Lyle? Mm-hmm. 
chicks roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make this season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa is on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. Christmas program without jingle bells, it'd be like Christmas without mistletoe or something. We're prepared, but not going to disappoint you because John Scott Trotter has assembled a bouncy version of this perennial favorite. Looking at my libretto here, I see there are parts for the charioteers, the vocal groups, Kitsch, and oh, yes, Crosby catches a cadenza or two. Matter of fact, I open the affair vocally. Roll them, John. Jingle, 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 Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open
just fractured the vocal group and the charioteurs threw in 8,482 jingles and never dropped a j j That kind of vocal work will give you a lower plate wobble, I guess. And now, here's the Philco man with a sprig or two of vocal holly, hmm? And a hunk of mistletoe to you, Bing, from your ever-loving sponsor. Say, the goose really hangs high here tonight. Mm-hmm. What's your Christmas Eve message for 1947, kid? Just the season's greetings to our friends everywhere on behalf of Philco, its distributors and dealers. Wonderful. Let's parlay that with a happy new year for 1948. Yes, from all of us on Philco Radio Time, sincere good wishes for the Yuletide in the coming year. My, my, we're certainly full of greetings tonight, aren't we? Nothing to sell? Not a thing. Isn't this sensational? Oh, the halcyon days are here in radio, aren't they? Jolly Noel from us all. I guess White Christmas could stand one last delivery before the season ends. Like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow present Charles Taswell's Christmas play, The Small One, a story for those who like Christmas and small donkeys. The same winter sun that dances on the winter snows up north sprawls indolently at ease in the thick white dust of El Camino del Norte, Old Mexico. A passerby, weary from the heat, has paused to rest in the cool, dripping shade of a pepper tree and has dropped off to sleep. He's suddenly awakened by the shrill voice of Pablo, aged 10, who stands with bare brown legs wide apart in the center of the road and bitterly addresses a small, discouraged, disreputable donkey. A donkey? A donkey you call yourself a stupid old fine animal with four stout legs, one on each corner, a most splendid tail to shoe off the flies, and a most handsome head stuck on the front to point the way you're going. I see. And what use do you make of this excellent equipment the good God has given you? Nothing. 
Absolutely nothing. You're a disgrace to all the donkeys of Mexico, of all the world, of all... Pablo. See? Oh, buenos dias. I did not know that... What's all the commotion here, young man? What, what has the poor beast done that you should be so angry? But nothing. Well, then why are you... Then that is all he wants to do, ever. Here it is, but two days until Christmas, when a load of wood could be sold in the village to buy gifts and a candle. But does that matter to this one? No, he cares for nothing, but nothing. <laughs> well, a donkey's a donkey, Pablo. They're all the same. But why? Why of all beasts should a donkey be so so stubborn? Stubborn? Oh, no, Pablo. That's wrong. But he's always... I know, I know. Everyone says they are. They curse them and they belabor their backs with sticks and they call them stupid, but that's because they don't know the truth about little donkeys. The truth? Yes. It's really not stubbornness, but pride that makes small donkeys so, well, so aloof. No wind, sun, rain, pain, or adversity can touch them. You see, their pride is a shield against all the discomforts man or the elements can offer. But what has a donkey to be proud of? Oh, a great deal, Pablo. Bring your small beast over here in the shade. I'll explain. Come along, Cupido. Listen. Listen, Pablo, do you hear that? Only a small donkey can make that sound with his hoofs as he walks on the stones of the road. No other beast can do it. Sit down. Sit down, my son. Si, senor. Now, as I was saying, people are all wrong about small donkeys. A very long time ago, a great honor came to one of them, an honor so great that it lifted him and all his descendants to an exalted place, a place that you or I or, or all the world might envy. Ever since that time, every small donkey has been content to stand and drowse in the sun or the shade, for he alone of all animals, of all men, has already fulfilled his destiny. His destiny, yes, senor? Yes, yes. You see, once upon a time, there was a small donkey. He was 14 unhappy years old, and he had worked hard and long for at least twice 14 masters. He was battered and scarred, and he presented a most distressful appearance. His tail was not but a piece of limp rope unraveled down at the end. One of his ears stood straight up like a cactus plant, while the other hung drooping like a wilted cabbage leaf. His off hind leg had a decided stiffness. What was his name? They called him the small one. His latest master was a woodcutter who also owned four younger and therefore stronger donkeys, but the small one was the special charge of the woodcutter's son. It was the boy who saw to it that the small one always had dry straw for his bed and that the load of wood to be carried to the town was not too heavy for small one's aging back. But one day the woodcutter called his son to him. Son? Yes, Father? I have a task for you to do in the town, son. A load of wood? No. I wish you to take this donkey, the one you call the small one, to a shop just inside the town gates. I have already spoken to the owner. He will give you a piece of silver in exchange for the beast. You mean... Oh, you don't mean you're going to sell small one? He can no longer do his share of the work. Even when carrying half the load the other donkeys carry, his worn-out legs tremble and his sides work like a bellows. But he'll be strong as the others soon. Will you wait and see? Give him a few weeks and... Enough. An old donkey is of little use. One day he might drop dead on us up in the hills. A total loss. Better to take a piece of silver and say good riddance to the beast. You will start at once. You hear? Yes. Yes, Father. The shop you will take him to is the second one on the left as you pass through the gates in town. The second? But that's the tanners. And what of that? The small one's hide is old... But it will make good leather. But he's been faithful. He's worked hard. He's done his best. And you can't sell him to the tanners to be killed. Come now. I'll have no tears. No crying over a miserable donkey. Hurry, be off with you. And take good care not to lose that piece of silver on the way home. And so, Pablo, the small boy and the small donkey began their sorrowful journey into town. The boy was heartbroken. He cried for a while. And then he tried desperately to think of some way to save his friend. The sound of the small one's hoofs on the road seemed to say over and over again, going to the tanners, going to the tanners. Suddenly it came to the boy's mind that there was a horse market in the town. If he could sell the small one to some new and kind master, the little donkey would still live, and yet the father would also have his piece of silver. Well, it was early afternoon when the boy and the small one passed through the town gates and down the narrow, twisted streets to the marketplace. And what about this fine animal 
Who'll start the bid at 50? 50! 50 it is! Who'll make it 51? Come, come, my friends. Are you going to let such an animal go for so paltry a sum? Uh, please, sir, would you like to buy a fine donkey? What? What'd you say, boy? This small donkey, he's for sale. Uh, strong and willing. The price is very cheap. But what piece No, of don- I don't want to buy a donkey. Be off with you. Sixty! Sixty is the bid. That's more like it. You are here, sixty-two. Will someone say sixty-two? Come, come, my friend. You'll never again get such a fine horse for so little cash. Look at the proud head. See the flowing mane. Excuse me, please. This small donkey's for sale. Would you what like What is to... it you want, boy? This fine animal, he can be bought for only one piece of silver. Isn't that a great saving? They're bidding 60 for the horse, and I know he can't do half the work a small one. Look, he's very... Go tender. away. Don't bother me. Oh, but he's... Go away. Or I'll take a stick to both your backs. And now, my friend, I'm... Eighty-three! Eighty-three is the bid! Do I hear more? Now, who has the next animal for sale? Step up! Please, sir, would you try to sell this small donkey? Go away, boy. Oh, but he's a very valuable animal. He's not nearly as old as he looks. It's just because he's worked so hard. And the other one that doesn't stand up straight as a donkey should. Well, that was a fault of a careless master, not his own. He eats very little, and he's terribly strong. This is a horse market, boy. We've no time to waste on donkeys. But a small donkey would take such a small time. (laughs) All right, all right, my boy, if you insist. My friend! My friend, a great bargain I have to offer you. The proud owner terms it a donkey, but it appears to me to be an animated pile of shaking bones. <laughs> you can see how the moths have been at the high. And the tail, is it a tail? Or is it the stub of a broom worn out from sweeping the courtyard? <laughs> A true museum piece, my friends. Moldy with age and loose in the joints. He's not. He is not. Ah, but it is not seemly to laugh, my friends, because the owner assures me that this animal is fine enough to share a stall with the king's horses. Stop. She shan't make fun of him. Maybe he's... Maybe he's not as handsome as your animals, but he's better. He's a lot better. Small one deserves to be in a king's stable. All right, all right, boy. Take your donkey and move along. We've got business to attend to. Hurry up. Off with you. Now that we've had our fun and disposed of the king's donkey, my friends, I want to call your attention to these two fine hours. And so the boy and the little beast left the marketplace, Pablo. The hours were slipping swiftly by. And the boy knew he must start soon for home. And that he must have the piece of silver to give to his father. He tried stopping people on the street. He inquired from door to door, but no one wanted to buy a small, tired donkey. The sun was sinking fast when he came at last back to the town gates. And he stood before the tanner's door. The boy's face was tear-streaked. And the small one's head drooped so low that his limp ear almost touched the ground. The boy said goodbye to his small friend. He asked forgiveness for what he had to do. There was understanding in the little donkey's eyes. And then, just as the boy was lifting the latch of the tanner's door, a voice spoke to him. My son. Yes? Yes, sir? I have a great favor to ask. Are you the owner of that small donkey? Oh, Oh, yes, sir. I have a long journey to make. My wife is not well. I have great need of a strong, gentle animal to carry her safely. Oh, small one's very strong and very trustworthy. Yes, I can see. Would you sell him to me? Yes. Oh, yes, sir. But for one piece of silver. One piece of silver? Is that too much, sir? Too much? Oh, no. A very reasonable price for such a beautiful animal. He's not very beautiful, but, but he's good. Yes, yes, I can see that. I'll be kind to him. I promise you that. Well, then he'll work so hard to please you. Here's your piece of silver. Come, small one. Do you mind... Do you mind if I come as far as the town gates? You see, the small one and not I... Not at all, not at all. You'll want to say goodbye to him, of course. You can do that while I see my wife safely on his back. Here we are. Easy, small one. Goodbye, small one. You must be very faithful... And it isn't forever, you know. 
When I grow up and earn many pieces of silver, I'll buy you back. And you'll have a fine stable and, and nothing to do at all but sleep and eat. Won't that be nice, small one? All right, my son. We're ready to go. Late, traveler. Yes, soldier? I must make out the record before you can pass through the town gates. Who are you? My name is Joseph. And your wife? They call her Mary. Your destination? Bethlehem. Pass. Come, small one. Goodbye, son. Goodbye. Goodbye, small one. Be gentle and sure of foot. And carry her safe to Bethlehem. So Pablo, the small one, traveled the many weary miles to Bethlehem. There in a stable which became a king's stable, he saw a king born. A king of men, of centuries, of life, of death. Yes, the small one's tired old eyes saw the shepherds and the wise men who came to pay homage to his small master. And he heard the voices of angels rejoicing, singing. Singing the very same notes his hoofs had rung out on the stones of the road. And then it came to pass that all those who had laughed at his ragged coat, his limping gait, and his drooping ear, they all envied the small one. For he was part of a great miracle. It was a long, long time ago, Pablo, my son. But today all small donkeys stand and they dream. Especially at Christmas time. They dream of the small one. Small one of Bethlehem. program is produced and transcribed in Hollywood.
That's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you stopping by and listening in, and we hope you continue to do so. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from us, we're available on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Copy RSS. Until next time, take care. This has been Couch and Coffee Table.